Hello, and welcome to Surviving HG, the Truth About Plant Medicine podcast. I'm your Canadian host, Tori Moline, and I can't wait to share with you all the brave, untold stories of women who faced hyperemesis gravidarum and courageously chose to use plant medicine. These stories carry with them raw experiences, brave vulnerability, and ultimately the intuitive powers HG moms have deep within inside of us. This podcast marries two untalked about subjects, HG and the generation of women who were silenced, and the natural yet stigmatized powers of the cannabis plant. HG is the picture-perfect illness candidate for cannabis, but because it involves pregnancy and growing a baby, doctors in the medical world are reluctant to try it and to recommend it. Decades worth of propaganda still contributes to many people, including these doctors, outlook on plant medicine. In some places like the UK or Texas, for example, HG moms who choose to use cannabis out of survival to save them and their baby are persecuted. In other places, HG moms are given a hard time by social workers, family members, partners, hospital staff, and their OB and midwife. HG moms deserve justice after centuries of suffering. HG moms deserve to know about plant medicine as an option during HG pregnancies. HG moms deserve to know there are other women fighting just like them and making the brave decision to go against the social norms and choose plant medicine. HG moms need education, resources, and community after centuries of being deprived from it. These stories you are about to hear are from moms who bravely shared them in hopes of helping create change for future HG generations. These stories deserve to be heard. These stories deserve to be protected. And these stories deserve to be shared and listened to. These are the untold stories of HG plant medicine moms. As soon as the Stoned at Home Moms video started popping up on my TikTok for you page, I knew I had to have her on the show. And so today I have Tatiana, the Stoned at Home Mom, coming on here telling her HG story. Uh, not only does she tell her HG story, she goes into full discussion about CPS, about breastfeeding, about her choice to use plant medicine and the struggle she faced in the medical system throughout her pregnancy and even postpartum. Tatiana bravely breaks down stigmas with me and the other HG moms on TikTok on a daily basis. Um, she is so brave when it comes to telling her story and she's so educated about plant medicine and she so bravely fights for those who are not as educated about plant medicine and she bravely shares her story with others so that they know that they are not alone. And I think that is just so commendable. So, Get ready. Here is Tatiana, the stoned at home mom's HG story. Let's go mm -hmm. kind of to the beginning of your experience with hyperemesis gravidarum. Um, so do you want to take us back to that time? Uh, Tatiana, do you want to just remind me again where you live in, like kind of what area you gave birth in just for our audience too? I live in Southern California and, uh, City where I only had one option for a hospital and it's like five minutes down the road so in reality it was ideal but it wasn't the best hospital to go to <laughs> it has okay, a really yeah. bad reputation so mm -hmm. um I had to go there anyway um like I said my my labor happened like very quickly Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So at the very beginning of your pregnancy, were you seeing like a doctor or an OBGYN of any sort? I was, um, I was under Medi-Cal. So I was going to, um, one, one clinic and then I ended up moving to a whole other city. So I had to switch to a different clinic and that was a whole process. They, they, they basically made me restart my pregnancy appointments. So, yeah. and at my first clinic, I had to do the whole ultrasound to find out how far along I was, do the whole confirmation of pregnancy, all that. And they made me redo that in the middle of my pregnancy. So instead oh. of moving forward with the treatment, like I was, um, 
six months pregnant, they, they moved forward. Like I was a brand new pregnant patient. Right. And just treating you like they just like brand new and just <laughs> yeah. they have much information. Uh, did they have much info on what was going on with you? I guess my first question is, um, when did you start to feel sick? And when, when did like your vomiting start? Right away. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've actually had multiple pregnancies before my son and that's how I knew I was pregnant. I would wake up and just be violently ill. Okay, so you have ex- or you had experienced hybramesis gravidarum previously multiple yes. times. Wow, wow, wow. Yes. The wow. the first two times they they didn't diagnose it as that. They just diagnosed it as, you know, they treated it as like a normal uh miscarriage, but I knew um my family had a history of something that just my my mom had a history of miscarriages. And just violent sickness during pregnancy. My grandmother did too. Um, My grandmother had like seven kids, but my mom had two. Uh, Me and my brother, we were the successful ones. And I only have my son. So it's kind of like, it seems to get worse, actually, with the generation. Yeah, definitely. It's so interesting how sometimes um, this this hyperemesis gravidarum can run in our families and for you it's it seems to be so prominent wow have you spoken yeah. to your grandma like about it ever my grandmother passed away before i was born um mm-hmm. my mom found out she was pregnant with me and then she found out that my grandma had uh <laughs> colon cancer Oh, I see. I see. So you yeah. had the chance to kind of talk to her. But I guess from your mom, you were able to conclude that she was also pretty sick during her pregnancy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. My, my grandma told my mom some horror stories about her pregnancies. Gosh, wow. And uh, did you ever speak with your mom? Was Was your mom there to support you kind of during your pregnancy based on her own experiences almost or different story? Luckily, I was living with her for a lot of it. So um, we found out that I got pregnant and then I just wanted to live a little bit closer to my mom. So we moved out of my husband's parents' house and into my mom's house. Uh, We were kind of just struggling financially at the time. So that was ideal (laughs) to save money. And um, my mom was able to kind of help me figure out my safe foods um and ironically my safe foods were really acidic and i've seen a lot of other people complain that they can't eat a lot of spicy foods or uh vinegary stuff and that was that was the only thing i could eat oh yeah that's so funny so what are what were some of your i guess what were some of your safe foods during uh hg my mom would make pickled beets yes. <laughs> for me. My I mom love would that. Make, she would make me pickled beets. Um, she would make uh, a salsa, and she, instead of using um, like an excess amount of lime or lemon, she would use pickle juice. Wow, that's perfect. Actually, I love it. Yeah. Writing that down yeah. for next time. <laughs> It was so good. Oh my gosh. I'll send you the recipe. That I'll send perfect. you the recipe. Absolutely. And the pickled beets too. Oh my gosh. I yes. My husband thinks I'm so gross, but I still love pickled beets. Me too. Even though I kind of vomited them one too many times. But you oh, know what? No. I totally get it because that was one, one of the major things that I could eat. So I ate so much of it that I, you know, there's so much vinegar in them. Yes. Oh my gosh. I totally get it. (laughs) Would you say that your body kind of craved those like not healthy foods, but you know, foods that come from the earth, like we're talking about like beets and like pickles and stuff like that. Um, Would you say that your body craved majority that stuff? Definitely. I had kind of an aversion to meat. I was also vegan um, during my pregnancy. I was vegan for a long time actually <laughs> okay yeah that makes sense to me I can kind of relate to that it took me so long to eat meat as well 
Yeah. And, and I uh, honestly, because of HG and my, I lost so much weight after I gave birth to my son and I, I don't, I wasn't sure what was going on. I didn't think that I could have still been suffering from mm-hmm. like right. lingering symptoms. And I, I, <laughs> the doctors were watching it happen, but they didn't really mention anything. Even still, my husband is kind of alarmed that they don't mention my weight right mine mine said the same thing as well and um I don't know about you but like has your husband kind of become quite educated about hyperemesis gravidarum now and like the aftermath and everything oh yeah happened oh yeah I would say so that's so cool yeah mine as well like it's and they just they also get upset because it happened to them as well. Um, oh, yeah. Acted and the fact that nobody told us what was going on is just so ab- absurd. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and I mean, that doctor that I talked to on TikTok who was saying that uh, such a small percentage of women actually get diagnosed. And I was mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that's because we're we're ignored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're ignored and we're gaslit when we try to talk about our experience. We're told that uh, it's all very normal and made, we're made to feel like we're just not handling a normal pregnancy like any other woman would handle it. And that's it's absurd. Um, yeah, it was it was it was just so difficult um, and them not knowing and us not knowing and then yeah throw in that difficult weight loss afterwards um and just kind of I don't know about you this is my experience but just like watching my body kind of wither away before my eyes and having everyone just be like I don't know what's happening oh my gosh I know my mom never really mentioned anything nobody really mentioned anything my husband really didn't mention anything until I had I want to say it was my six month checkup. He asked me if, <laughs> and he asked me recently too. I had to go into the doctor for a checkup, and he he keeps asking me if uh, if they mention my weight, and I'm like, no, they don't. Oh man, they don't. They they honestly, um, I I don't expect them to mention anyone's weight, even if somebody were to present very underweight, because when I was very young I was like 12 okay and this is totally off topic but when I was 12 I remember I had lost a lot of weight already at 12 because um I have some underlying uh digestive issues that you know cause my HD anyway um but that's besides the point when I was like 12 my doctor was like you need to lose more weight and I was already 120 pounds at five six Oh, wow. And I was like, that's not uh, overweight. I don't think I need to lose <laughs> anymore. Yeah, no so out that, here, that's a good point, though. I mean, out like here that, kind of, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was just saying that's a good point, though, like that it's also not so good when doctors kind of address the weight. It's it is kind of up to us to talk about it. But at the same time, when you don't know what's happening it, it's so hard it's a cycle sorry go ahead <laughs> it, it it very much is a cycle and it just dep- I feel like it really also depends on where you live and what the I don't I, I hate to say it but what the beauty standard is because mm-hmm. here I know especially in California I don't know I just feel like they label people who are not overweight as overweight and there's just like this this just Doctors tend to ignore any kind of eating disorder or or any kind of issue with weight mm-hmm. in in general. It seems to be they just avoid avoid the topic almost. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah for sure. I agree. Um, I do remember what I was going to say now. <laughs> if we wanted, if we want to just jump to that, I was, and it comes yes. back to this. Um, I was going to say, did you ever have to advocate mm. for yourself prior to HG? Um, and so I, I guess you were talking about earlier before when you were 12. And so that's so interesting. Um, I think that like a lot of people or a lot of us who get pregnant, don't know how to advocate for ourselves and 
like how you were talking about where we're just kind of told, oh, this is normal. Just like tuck your head down, keep going. But we're not really told like if something's wrong, like say something. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of where I was going earlier. Yeah, I I really didn't know how to advocate for myself at all. I was just very honest the whole time. And I had kind of just, uh, I'm not really sure what the proper term for it is. I just had a lot of people patting me on the hand, telling me that it was going to be okay and that mm-hmm. I was doing my best and that, um, you know, I was I was doing the right thing. And then... All of a sudden, when I gave birth to my son, um, I was asking them if we were breastfeeding okay. Mm-hmm. We were in the golden hour, so people were trying not to bother us as much. But in the hospital, they have to bother you like every five seconds. So as much as they try not to bother you, they're there uh, mm-hmm. hovering. And I kept asking them, you know, I, this just, I don't know what breastfeeding feels like. This is my first child, but... Uh, it doesn't feel like there's any action going on. It feels like he's just there. Um, it it really seemed to me like his jaw was clenched. Like, and um, they just ignored me. So for, for that whole night, my son didn't eat. Oh, wow. It, even though I was telling them, like, please, it doesn't seem right. The entire night I didn't sleep because I kept asking them, is this normal? Is this okay? Mm-hmm. Um and the pediatrician came in the next morning blaming me, okay. accusing me of being neglectful and telling me that she was going to take him and put him in the NICU because he lost so much weight. And I was like, wait a minute, why am I being blamed here? And she said it was because of my cannabis use. And I was like, well, my cannabis use has nothing to do with the fact that I just told your whole staff all night that the feeding didn't feel right. Wow. And your staff ignored me. They ignored me. And she turned white. And I got a breast pump in my room and three lactation consultants and anything that I asked for. My gosh. So, yeah, I was going to ask. Like, so you did test positive then at um, the hospital, hey, in California there? I did. And okay. and I was tested without my consent. I was tested without knowing. Oh my and my God. husband even told me, he said, that's a violation. <laughs> they they can't do that. Um, mm-hmm. But because I was under state insurance, that's some kind of loophole that they're able to jump through. Okay. Oh my gosh. So, th- okay. So then these nurses or la- yeah, nurses, I guess that were overseeing the breastfeeding during that time, did they were they giving you like the cold shoulder because of the cannabis positive test? I honestly was in my own little bubble thinking that everything was just fine because I was having these women look over my shoulder going, oh, no, mom, that looks beautiful. You're doing beautiful. Everything oh, yeah. is beautiful. Everything is fine. And I was telling them it doesn't feel fine, though. It doesn't feel like he's getting any milk it feels like I'm engorged it feels uncomfortable Uh, it feels like there should be some kind of suckling sensation and there wasn't any of that going on right right and and it was it was honestly because um in the process of me switching caregivers uh clinics they lost their uh ultrasound technician and I started having to go to that hospital to get my ultrasounds done and the clinic was basing all of my due dates on their initial they took the first uh, ultrasound so they were basing their information on their first ultrasound and they weren't looking at any of the ultrasounds that I was getting done at the hospital Oh wow. And I t- I told them I'm I'm 43 weeks pregnant. And she told me no, according to my information you're 40 weeks pregnant and I told her I just got an ultrasound done at the hospital uh, at the hospital that said I'm 43 weeks. I'm I need you to help me bring this kid into the world. He doesn't yeah. want to come out. And wow. she was refusing to induce me. She swept my membranes and that was the only help that I got from my clinic, they refused to help me. 
Oh my gosh, that must have been so, so tough. The entire experience was honestly, I just being not heard. <laughs> sounds yeah, funny. yeah. And so, at what because I, I, I know who you kind of are today, and your the intuition that's within you is so powerful. What at what point in your journey did you really like see that intuition and say, you know what, like, despite what these people are saying, and despite what they're like, how they're treating me, like, I am, I am a good mom, and I'm going to keep doing this. And I believe in what I'm doing in plant medicine and stuff like that. It it was in that moment. Um, well, well, it, 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 it wasn't necessarily in that moment. I didn't feel like I needed to advocate for myself when I told them that I didn't want to take Zofran. So mm-hmm. rewind in the beginning of my pregnancy when I was yes. really, really sick. I, I was in the hospital every other every other day for spotting. Okay, okay, yes. And I kept trying to tell them I really need an ultrasound. I really need an ultrasound. I'm pregnant and this doesn't seem normal. And they wouldn't give me an ultrasound until I I had to go in there being as dramatic as I could be. Mm-hmm. And they finally gave me one. And there was they told me blood around um, the fetus my son and I asked them if that could have anything to do with the violent vomiting that I was experiencing every morning and they were like no that's that's all normal everything is normal and I was like I don't think it's normal (laughs) for me to be spotting so much that I feel like I have to come in um of course and and I didn't feel like there being I couldn't even see him in the ultrasound pictures there was just this massive cloud uh-huh. wow. so I, I I was very confused why they were telling me it was normal but it was also in the middle of the pandemic so I was I wasn't sure if I was being neglected because they were prioritizing other things or if this was just the norm for people that's another very good point having your pregnancy um took place during what year again 2020 i was pregnant in 2020 Mm -hmm. yeah so having that added added pressure of the pandemic but also the confusion of like okay like i have like i'm two life forms and Uh help and attention but then yeah kind of having other or our, our our doctors being distracted by other things was definitely an interesting interesting thing oh absolutely so cool. and I kept asking them you know like should I even be coming to the hospital because is you know I'm considered high risk because I'm pregnant and every time I have to come mm-hmm. in here I'm putting myself at risk and mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem like anybody cares it's uh, yeah I, I I feel that so much feel that so much um during your pregnancy I guess we're kind of in the middle talking about it chronologically here um so at what point did you decide that you were going to use cannabis or did you continue the meds for the whole time or did you say no more at one point so it was about um I was I want to say I was two months pregnant when they gave me the prescription for Zofran. Okay. Okay. And I told my mom that they gave me a prescription for anti-nausea and she told me about thylamide and I I should look up the side effects before I even take it. And of course I freaked out because I had just taken some leaving the hospital being so desperate for relief. That's so that's a scary feeling to instill in you like from her. oh yeah absolutely <laughs> luckily I was not able to keep the pill down um, I did I did still throw it up so um I didn't take any more after that first time though I oh, I did I see. I, okay okay I did look up what my mom asked me to I did a lot of research on not just Zofran but thalamide and there's just so many similarities uh it leaves me wondering if that if it just leaves me i'm not sure (laughs) i haven't found any research linking zofran to thalamide um specifically but it just leaves me wondering if it's not the same drug rebranded again 
Yeah, it would be interesting because I know what you're talking about and I've kind of dug into it too, but I've never looked uh-huh. at like, I guess the chemical chemical compound parts and like compared the two side by side. That would be so interesting because there's some sort of, obviously they couldn't continue with the thalidomide. So they had to come up with something, but then we all uh-huh. know, I guess, like what goes into drug companies coming up with something and right an, <laughs> I think, a, a yeah. new combination of something a new combination right right and yeah there's just it's definitely something to be further investigated into and I think this past year you and I have talked about it on TikTok like for the first time and I think that there's some answers out there that in the future we're gonna find them out <laughs> I certainly hope so with with all the research that they seem to be interested in doing. Mm-hmm. Whether whether we actually see them do this research is the question. Yeah. What do you think is like the biggest thing holding back the medical system from incorporating cannabis use into like pregnancy? Or how should I say this? What's the biggest thing like holding yeah, the medical system back from counseling cannabinoids instead of counseling pharmaceuticals, you know what I mean, for ailments and stuff? Because it's not as profitable. Uh, mm-hmm. I I think that it has been proven through numerous, I want to say, not necessarily like professional studies, but I mean, look at the Rick Simpson oil, RSO. And right. how it how how successful a treatment that has been for so many different things. Um, it's not beneficial for the pharmaceutical industry to give us a one one fix. It it may not be a one fixes all, but it is certainly a one fixes a lot right. <laughs> for for a lot of people. And I don't think that that's beneficial for the pharmaceutical industry. I think that what holds them back is finding a way to profit in a way that is going to keep them profiting. Right. I agree. Because if they, if they give us something like RSO and we are able to treat our symptoms in a way where they are gone completely and we no longer need to depend on something like RSO, Mm -hmm. then what, what will we need to continue to depend on them for? Yeah, that is so, so true. So true. Um, in terms of like, um, oh, oh my gosh, what was I gonna say? Sorry, I forgot my train of thought again. I can record this out of here or edit this out. Um, oh yes, now I remember. Yay. Um, so okay, so because the medical system is designed for profit, like we were kind of just talking about, um, you and I have kind of gone an alternative way where we found this TikTok and we found this community of women saying, Hey, like what's what the medical system's not doing. And, you know, or what the medical system's doing isn't working and cannabis is working. And so I guess my question is for you, like, how can we make sure that moms know that this is an option when we know that the medical system's not going to tell them essentially, (laughs) Well, I think that uh, part of it is what we're doing now, um, mm-hmm. you know, making making the videos and making the podcasts and making the blogs and yeah. and, and 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 providing the uh, research that we've done and the information that we've been able to come across and just doing whatever we can to push. Mm-hmm. the right yeah. information. I agree so much. I had like a message today um when I was well I had made it I had made a video about, you know, saying how if OBGYNs don't support cannabis use, they shouldn't have or don't support cannabis use during hyperemesis gravidarum, they shouldn't have a medical license. And I had a friend who goes to medical school message me and say Hey, Tori, you know, instead of just being angry or whatever, you should work alongside the medical like doctors and stuff like that and promote your message that way. And I was just kind of like, well, 
even if I tried, it would almost be like a lost cause because ultimately at the end of the day, like they're, like you said, Tatiana, they, they're not going to, they're not going to care about something that they can't profit off of because cannabis comes from the earth. And it was just, it was just so interesting. (laughs) I know, honestly, I know I've, I haven't had many people in my real life actually say much to me about my use during my pregnancy um particularly because the the people in my life that saw how bad I struggled with my pregnancy they they understood mm-hmm. um but I I find that the cruelest people are on the internet yeah so many Definitely. people just judge yeah judging for sure um yeah just judging our stories and kind of leaving comments that are ignorant I know like on TikTok um you've definitely probably had your fair share of interesting comments come from people who are just so like uneducated and in the old paradigm of weed is bad weed is a drug all that kind of stuff oh definitely and not ever once I've had conversations with people who will throw in my face about uh, how big pharma has all of these studies and and research and 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 testing and all of this behind their medicine. And I'm like, okay, yes, but uh, I mean, look at all of the scandals that happen mm-hmm. constantly. <laughs> so i mean they have all of this research and all of this you know great stuff to back their products but um there's also this very negative side that everybody likes to ignore Mm -hmm. i think i think stories should be more validated or validating than like research papers (laughs) you know like uh, personal story Well, and that's, I guess in the past hundred years, that's really gone out the window. Like we used to hundreds and hundreds of years, years ago, there was lots of oral traditions and things were, you know, passed down orally. And we, we, we led our lives based on people's experiences that they told us and stuff like that. And so in the past hundred years, it's just like completely gone out the window and it's all been like research papers, but we all know that there's like flaws behind these research papers, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There's flaws yeah. behind the research papers. And and now all of a sudden, all of our experiences are being considered anecdotal. Yeah, true, true, true. I, I, my jaw dropped when this medical professional publicly stated that our ex. Uh, I, I I would have understood if his response would have been that, and I only had like, uh, I don't know, a, a couple hundred. I know that the, a following doesn't mean much, but I would have expected him to have that kind of response to mm-hmm. somebody that has, uh, you know, like the kind of people that we have to respond to. They don't have, they don't make much content. There's not much substance there. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of person that I would have expected him to have that response to. Yeah. Yeah. There's some uh, ma- male OB. Are we talking about the male OBGYN? The male OBGYN. <laughs> okay. Ma- male OBGYNs. I, I've heard a few good stories. I've heard good stories such as an H, like an HG mom told me that she had an, a male OB who had a wife who went through HG and he decided to study like obstetrics because of what his wife went through. And I was like, you know what? Okay. I'll take that. I'd still like to meet him though. (laughs) And actually sense out or like, you know, feel out. And like talk to him. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. But um, other than that, like, I just don't understand why there's male practicing OBGYNs who are males because that's not, that's not like natural, you know. <laughs> I I definitely I can definitely say that I agree there. Um I I've said this before. Um the m- male m- males have dominated the medical industry for such a long time. Agreed. In general, 
Um, I think that they can give women this one, this one thing, you know? Yeah, I think um, so. Partic- particularly because, um, you know, male doctors can, I mean, it just strikes me a little bit odd that I, I personally have never met a, a male OBGYN. And the only stories that I've ever heard from women in my real life that have had one, um, th- these stories have made me feel a little uncomfortable. Um, and, and I'm like, why not be something? Why not do something that, I don't know, um, why not work on something that we all have? Like, like yeah. be an armpit doctor or a finger doctor yeah. or like a leg doctor. We all have those things. Exactly. Exactly. I think, I think if in the, well, in the past couple hundred years, it's been entirely, yeah, males kind of controlling all of this yeah. in the medical field. I think if we gave it back to women, that's when I think we start to see plant medicine and like more sustainability mm-hmm. of our health. <laughs> Well, and, and, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because, um, you know, uh, a lot of women throughout history that did practice plant medicine and tried to teach plant medicine and tried to help others with plant medicine, they were labeled as witches and, right. and they were, you know, they were publicly, uh, ridiculed and chastised and sometimes, um, crucified. Mm-hmm. All for, for trying to use natural remedies. Mm-hmm, for trying to teach uh, uh, that there are other ways. Yeah. Absolutely. And and a lot of these women were, um, like you said, they were just trying to help. They were mm-hmm. just trying to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, well, them as like the midwives back in the day and the witches, I think, I think they would have carried cannabis on them helping oh they definitely did and i think that this might be uh trudging into some sensitive territory here um but if they do mention cannabis in the bible it's it's they they do it's not called cannabis it's called holy oil oh but there's i didn't know that that's so interesting sorry continue there's there's a lot of evidence to suggest that this holy oil is that actually a hemp oil or a derivative of something similar that interesting wow so you know it doesn't necessarily have to mean it doesn't necessarily mean that this stuff got you uh zooted as people (laughs) on tiktok like to say but um it was definitely used to to help heal people in ways and i think like i think back to like indigenous cultures too and i I believe it would be so interesting to do more research into this, actually, like indigenous uh-huh. cultures and their their healers, their midwives of their communities would probably use such interesting things to help women with their pregnancies and and birth and or, and labor and birth and postpartum. Oh, my goodness. It would be so it'd be so cool if we could bring that back. Oh, they absolutely. Away. They took they destroyed that. They destroyed what like communities and. I, that whole like just aspect of midwives and stuff in the communities they took that all away <laughs> they really did they really did and and I feel like society there's there's a group I feel like there's a group of women in society right now that are trying to make a kind of a comeback of it you know like the doulas mm-hmm. the doulas they're they're trying to you know be a modern day kind of midwife yeah um but um they're very expensive (laughs) yeah that's so true I I as you know I kind of learned about doulas after I gave birth like probably like a year me too yeah and I was like wow that's cool I probably should have had one but my thinking was also um that it was for like honestly more well-off people than what I am and I thought it cost yeah. a couple more thousand dollars that we already like could not afford and so I don't know I think that there is like I got to figure out what I'm going to do for like my next pregnancy because I, I do want to get a doula but I want to like t- show people maybe how it's more doable than we think it is but I don't know oh. we need more information <laughs> 
Oh, absolutely. And I think mm. that especially there are definitely doulas in the cannabis realm. There mm. are canna doulas. There it, are canna doulas. And I feel like a lot of them, you know, uh, and th- there may not be a way to get them covered by insurance, but m- I don't know. I think a lot of that stuff is also left up to the way the doctor words things. Yeah, I think there's always a way to get things covered through insurance if it's really necessary. True. And I think like if you can connect with moms within your state and maybe say like, oh, how did you do it? And you can like Mm -hmm. bounce ideas off of each other. That's even pretty valuable, too. And that's the cool part about now and like communication amongst moms. And like I was going to say how TikTok is like a really cool place for us to like talk about all the stuff that like doctors don't talk about, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We always touch on all of the side effects that they don't discuss with us. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what the future will look like, like, you know, 10 years from now in terms of HG and cannabis and cannabis in the med- in the medical world and its role, if it's going to have a role, that would be just so interesting to think about. <laughs> It is definitely interesting to think about. And um, we just recently had something happen here. Um, It was S4090. Um, The FDA was going to put a little bit more regulations on plant medicine. Um, So, uh, for example, the FDA requires you to have certain ingredients to preserve and 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 whatnot and so the fda's involvement at at that capacity would mean that you would have to add stuff like palm oil mm-hmm. and, and and ingredients that aren't necessarily uh something that a lot of more natural um more natural healers if you will like mm-hmm. working with interesting Mm -hmm. okay so it it definitely brings the question of if they plan on involving more plant medicine in the future if they plan on limiting it more right yeah access is such a such a topic for moms i guess battling the hg and accessing cannabis um I was going to ask you, how did you consume cannabis during your pregnancy? I think I think you, the way you consumed it was more unique, wasn't it? Yeah. So um, I know that a lot of people that experience HG don't have much su- success with uh, edibles. Mm-hmm. And for me, I didn't rely solely on edibles. I used tincture a lot. Um, okay. because tincture is a lot more fast acting. Um, a lot of tinctures do have and are usually made with, uh, some kind of alcohol base, but you can find some that are made with, uh, like a, a vegetable glycerin base. They're not, they're not typically as potent as, um, alcohol based tinctures, but, um, they, they definitely work. <laughs> Yeah, that's something I'm really interested in learning more about. When I when I think of a tincture, is this correct? Is this like like little in a little oil dropper? You put it like on your tongue. Yeah, so so it can be referred to. So a, a true tincture is made with alcohol or some kind of alcohol base, and a infusion would be something that's made with like an oil or like apple cider vinegar. Okay. So. Um, it really just depends on what you're working with, but I I used a lot of tincture and teas, and 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 once I got to a point where I was able to eat more foods, and I could cut down the um, potency of what I was using, mm-hmm. I would kind of switch over to the edibles when when I was able to stomach more food. Okay, that's so interesting. I guess when I think of I guess edibles and tinctures. My stomach almost really doesn't like the idea, but I think oh, I've oh, tried. Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. <laughs> teas, teas were easier. Um, um, okay, so, okay. So a lot of the time, too, I would I would just add the tincture to a tea. Oh, that's not too bad then. I can mm-hmm. make sure that happening a little bit better. 
<laughs> but yeah, that's interesting. So you use tinctures, teas, and then so you did not smoke cannabis at all then. I tried to avoid I tried to avoid combustion, yeah. But when yeah, I was in the very when I was in the very, very early stages of my pregnancy and I had I didn't know at all what to do. It was honestly a very long time before I could even get an appointment. Um, I knew that I was just, I, I, I lost a lot of weight very quickly and very obviously. So I, I was using a combustible form in the very early stages, but it was a vaporizer. It was a, it was a dry herb vaporizer. So, so it, it just burned the, the crystals. Okay, cool. Interesting. Um, how did you consume cannabis before pregnancy? The same way or and like were oh, you like, oh yes yeah when did you first when did you first get into cannabis oh my goodness so um when I first got into cannabis I was um a very young teenager um I okay. I I was about 13 and that was when I was first diagnosed with uh depression oh, I was okay taken away from my mom and and I was kind of just not really feeling right taking the antidepressant medication that they were giving me it was making me feel very spacey mm-hmm. and not it did it just didn't feel right so um a friend of mine that's cool she was a very heavy pothead and she offered me some one days and I tried it and it made me feel a lot better. So I I started relying on it at a very young age. Wow. That's so that it's interesting, but like cool at the same time, because you were able to find an alternative. So now did you have to keep that a secret or? Well, um, with my foster parents, I definitely did. Um, and I was very respectful of their home. I tried to, you know, I, I would only smoke outside of the home, never at home. They had young, young kids mm-hmm. in the, in the home. So I would always make sure it was, you know, right after school with friends somewhere safe where my dad was going to pick me up right away. Um, oh, yeah. and, I, I don't know. I feel like I was always very responsible about it. And I feel like I always kind of just used it in a medicinal or a social setting. Yeah. I wasn't, I don't feel like I was ever very abusive with it. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool that you're able to, you were able to recognize it that early and so young. I think I was blessed in a way that my mom was uh, an addict herself <laughs> that definitely uh, prepared okay. me. Got yeah. you, like an addict when like with cannabis. My mom was an addict with with uh heavier substances. Okay. She, gotcha, gotcha. And that's why I was taken away from her. Ah, uh, I see. And so you kind of saw you saw the plant and then you probably saw like the other substances in your in your home life and were like, how come we're not using the plant? <laughs> uh absolutely. Um <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> As a matter of fact, oh my gosh, the very first time I used cannabis, I, I I remember it clicked and I was like, that's that's that smell. That's what I was smelling when I would come home. Like ah. I, I it clicked for me. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and it was my brother that smoked. Okay. Yeah. My 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 older brother smoked a lot in his teenage years and and he also relied on it medicinally i don't think he even realized it but he did ah interesting he he definitely smoked it to not feel so sad because honestly uh, growing up for us wasn't very easy we we grew up in a lot of hotels and mm-hmm. and 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 my brother i think had it worse than i did because he was older when a lot of the more traumatic stuff happened. I was young, so I don't remember a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did um? Do you feel that cannabis kind of helped you to process the trauma of stuff after as well? Like in your maybe your adult years. I actually had a therapist when I was in the very early stages of using cannabis that told me it might be helpful. 
for me to use that. She was a therapist and not a psychiatrist. So she didn't, you know, have really any say. And she probably could have gotten in trouble for making that suggestion. But she told me, you know, you you're so young. And she told me and she had this little accent and she she was from uh, Britain. And she told me that uh, she felt like I was too young to be using the medication that they were prescribing me. Oh my goodness. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but well, that, how, progress- but that- how progressive of her. <laughs> oh, I, I definitely, now I definitely felt like it. My mom kind of was a little mad at her for really. For oh, six- wow. Yeah, she was because, um, I, for my mom, I was supposed to be the kid that didn't do anything bad. And I was supposed to be the one that, um, you know, got straight A's and went to college and, and, didn't do anything bad so she was like no don't encourage her to do that yeah and the I guess just the old mentality of thinking that cannabis is so bad and the gateway to everything and all that jazz oh my gosh yeah (laughs) and when I just went to it yeah go ahead when I got caught (laughs) when I got caught for the first time it was my ex-best friend's mom and we were in, uh, I want to say we were in like, man, what grade were we in? Ninth grade, 10th grade. Yeah. We were in early high school. And she took me to my house and she told my mom what we were doing. And my mom tried to put me in Narcotics Anonymous. <laughs> and my my older brother, who was very Christian, very Christian, very like you know, very strict. He was like, mom, they're uh-huh. going to laugh at her. You can't do that. Wow. You can't put her in that. Oh my gosh. And how old were you? I had to have been 16, 15 or 16. Wow. And you were, you were like treated like a drug addict. My I know. My and then, and then she did a 180 on me two weeks later and was like, oh yeah, it's totally fine. Tell me all about it. <laughs> my goodness how do you think you'll talk to uh your your children or your child about cannabis in the future do you plan on telling him oh definitely in fact I found this really cool book on I don't know if I'm actually gonna buy it and read it to him but I'm definitely (laughs) gonna buy it and read it for myself it's called mommy smokes weed or mommy smokes pot I'm gonna look it up right now oh my gosh yes I think I, I think I've seen it before that's pretty cool Mommy smokes pot. I want to say mommy smokes pot. It's on Amazon. And I think it like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It tells it, it tells it in like a storybook way that, you know, mom uses this as her medicine. Yeah. It's like positive. It's really good. (laughs) Yeah. And it's written by a mom who, who wanted to find a educational way to talk to her kids about cannabis and teach them that it's not this big scary thing mm-hmm. yeah that that's gonna be such a it's it's a topic already but I think it's a topic that's gonna evolve within the next 10 years like when our kids are are getting to be like nine or ten I think we'll start to see a little bit more about it which will which is hopeful for sure Oh, I know. It it makes me wonder, especially because I talk so openly about it. It makes me wonder how that's going to affect my son a little bit, you know, when he starts going to school. It does. Um, But 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 the truth is, I know um, I I know that he's like as smart as any other kid. He's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, been honestly advanced in some ways than other other kids and and if there are any areas that he ever struggles in I would never blame it on my on my use of cannabis I would blame it on you know my son has been speech delayed and that's something that runs on both families it had had nothing to do with cannabis had nothing to do with it he probably would have been speech delayed even if I didn't use it yeah absolutely absolutely like that's totally totally valid and um, I agree, hundred <laughs> percent. I think it's crazy, honestly, that we're in twenty twenty three, and people still—I uh, mean, uh, 
they try to blame cannabis for so many outlandish things. Yeah, like, that's true. I, I know that, um, you know, especially for me, you know, I, I used it at a really young age. I know it probably could have had some kind of effect on my um, my brain's anatomy. But I know that it had less of an effect on my brain's anatomy than any of the prescriptions that they gave me did or right. ever would. Or even going without cannabis might have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> cannabis is just such a gift to this earth. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've been... um. I've been learning a lot too about mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even even mushrooms that aren't psychedelic are like, whoa, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. They're full of they're, good stuff. They really are. They're crazy. I'm learning. I well, I'm recently learning how to like cook more with mushrooms. There was um Sydney Parlay on Instagram. She made like chili with some mushroom, like reishi chaga kind of powder. Up. She threw it into the chili where you can't taste it and gave it to her kids and her kids liked it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yum. Reishi yeah. is so good for you. They have lion's mane at, at Whole Foods. And yeah. I, I, the only way I've ever seen people use it is to dehydrate it. And I do not have a dehydrator, so I don't oh, know what yeah. to do with it. But I know yeah. it's also so good for you. Yeah, grind grind it up. I'm I'm still learning too. I'm excited for in the summertime here when there's farmers markets. Sometimes they have little like mushroom setups, um, and so it's the non psychoactive ones um, that they can right. at these farmers markets. But here in Canada, you can get psychedelics online like within a week. Like it's that's crazy. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and they're <sighs> talking about opening like mushroom dispensaries here. <laughs> that is so cool. I would, I live. Oh my gosh, that's that's the one thing that I actually have not been able to really um, stick to and try um, to treat some of my more depressive uh, symptoms with. Mm. Um, I have tried um, ashwagandha, which is awesome. Um, it's also, it's gone up in price <laughs> quite I a bit. pill form of them today at the store. It's, have you, do you take it in like pill form or what is, what uh, is ashwagandha? <laughs> um, you can, there's all kinds of ways you can get it. You can get it in a powder form. You can, it's a root. Um, oh, and and it, it tastes very bitter. Um, so, you know, you don't need that much of it, uh, and putting it in a capsule is ideal because you don't have to taste it, but you can put it in a smoothie. Um, it adds a nice consistency to like your smoothie and stuff, but it does not taste good. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I was wondering, cause I've definitely heard about it, seen it. And so today I, I was like, Ooh, should I pick it up? Because I've been adding a couple different supplements into my like diet because of all of the stuff I've gone through as well with the mm-hmm. weight loss and everything. And so I was like, Ooh, is this another one I need to add? Um, but one thing I'm going to add, I think is beef liver. Have you ever done much with beef? <gasps> I haven't, but I've heard really good things about it. I just get so grossed out by the smell. I get so grossed out by the smell. I, I make it for, I make it for my dog all the time. That's so good. But, yes, but you I can, haven't figured out how to prepare it for myself. <laughs> you can do it in the raw form, like, and then freeze it, or else there are oh. pill capsules. And so I was going to probably do the pill capsules because right. I, heard, I heard that it helps hair growth. And so the queen of long hair, Tatiana. Um, oh, I better try that. What what did you, no, I was going to say, what do you use for your hair? Um, well, now that I've got my beef liver, what else can I like try out? Because well, <laughs> number one, Tori, don't let anyone touch your hair. I don't let anyone touch my hair. Not even mm-hmm. my husband, really. I don't let anyone touch my hair. I've never been I, a fan of people touching my hair. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I don't. And honestly, anytime I've ever gone to a hairstylist and asked them to cut, you know, only x amount off my hair they always cut way too much and I, it's not the vibe 
it's not the vibe. So I just, I cut it myself little by little, the amount that I want to cut off. Um, if I want to change the style, I might go to somebody, but um, I'm never the length. And then I don't, um, I don't treat it with much. Oh, um, and I use a lot of argan oil, mm-hmm. argan oil. Uh, I I use apple cider vinegar for shampoo when I don't use. I have psoriasis, so I have to use a a medicated shampoo every once in a while. Okay, yeah, yeah. But other than that, apple cider vinegar, I swear, is where it's at. Oh my gosh, I totally tried that last. No, this morning. Okay, I'm I'm doing this hair detox as I was telling you, and I tried the apple cider vinegar, but. I almost couldn't get over the smell. I don't have my vomit reflex anymore, but like it was pretty bad. It does smell very gnarly. Um, So funny. I'll just have another thing you could try. You you could definitely dilute it with some with some water if you were. Yeah, that's what I I would use. I would use a lot of distilled water because it's just it's it's free of minerals and everything and it's the cleanest thing you could do for your hair I should definitely do that did you struggle with um hair like hair loss from HG or the postpartum and like I know like as myself when I lost all of that weight like my hair really really took a hit (laughs) my hair was so thin it was so thin and now it looks so thick which is so good (laughs) Hey, honestly, I I feel like it's all of the regrowth. Yeah, <laughs> okay. It, it so adds yeah, you volume. Put some, you put the effort in. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm I'm That's afraid awesome. to I'm afraid to cut it. I'm afraid to treat it. Um, I uh, I took some some kind of uh, I can't remember the brand name of vitamins I took. They were uh weird gummy form of vitamins and they oh my gosh they tasted very organic <laughs> they, were, they were i want to say uh like collagen nope they were uh oh my gosh what were they called i want to say nature's garden garden of nature oh no. okay cool cool <laughs> they were they're they're the most natural so when you look for um a vitamin you want to look for a vitamin that says uh nutritional value or nutritional ingredients not like supplemental ingredients does uh-huh. that make sense yeah so so when you take a supplement there's a lot of like extra stuff in it that you don't need right why do they do that i wonder filler that's a that's a very good yeah filler very good question <laughs> that they, they could because they can charge more for it Right, right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Um yeah, what else did I add? Oh, I've added like turmeric as well in capsule form, but I don't know. I'm just like trying out all this stuff. HG like really mm, affected my health. And so it's been so cool to connect with other HG moms and be like, "Hey, what do you use or how did you deal with this problem?" <laughs> You might like um, golden milk. It's basically like you you make like hot milk with turmeric and honey. That would um, be so good. It's good. It adds calories. I I drink a lot of uh, teas that I can add like cream and honey to. That's a great idea. Yeah, I always try and add cream to whatever I can add cream to. <laughs> Most yeah, <of> these. <laughs> cream has been my friend, though, for this like kind of weight loss, or I'm always trying to drink. I always try and drink like the 3% milk that my son drinks, always, never, never the 1%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's an interesting, interesting how like life just kind of got so different from the illness and from this, from our experiences. <laughs> it did. I used to eat. Um, I, I was a weightlifter before I got pregnant with my son and I used to eat cool. big, crazy bowls of oatmeal in the morning. It would be like this big, massive serving of oatmeal with a bunch of nut butter on the top and a bunch of berries. And I still, I still can't eat it. Yes. Uh, Oatmeal is definitely a tough one. Anything. 
but but I discovered that um, I can substitute that at least in the summertime and the warm months with a smoothie bowl. True, true. And I could put granola on the top. So it's not necessary. It's not, you know, oatmeal, but it's still oats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you get a bunch of tasty fruit. It's so good. So good. I love all the fresh fruit in the summer. My baby was born in the summer. And so it was just, it was perfect. <laughs> Mine was too. Oh my gosh. Nice. nice. I love that. Summer oh, babies. Yes. Oh, it's been so lovely chatting with you, Tatiana. This conversation. And I am so excited for to showcase everyone's stories here about Yeah. I can't there. wait to watch it. Oh my gosh. Listen, I can't wait to listen to them. Yes. yes. <laughs> It'd be cool. If, honestly, if I could make a documentary and like film everything, that would be so much cooler. But, you know, just a stay at home mom. <laughs> I know. One day. Right? One day. That'd be so cool. We could all we could all work on it together. That'd be so sweet. That would be so sweet. Oh, my God. Just, like, I wish we could all just like plan a weekend where we all get together in you know California or something and we all share our stories and gather together and oh that would be so beautiful hey <laughs> it really would I need to I need to meet more people in person because I don't know about you but I pretty like isolated HG really definitely affected like my friendships and stuff <laughs> mine as well mine as well in the pandemic it, it's yes. just everything everything yeah. has taken taken our social lives and just shot them right off the horse <laughs> so true so true oh we have so much to talk about we'll have to do maybe another episode sometime <laughs> yes yes okay well i'm going to pause this now and uh we will um talk to you soon Thanks again, Tatiana, for sharing your story. It was so lovely to share experiences with another HG mom. Thank you so much for having me. This experience has been very validating for me. Oh, I love that. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Bye. HG moms are some of the bravest women I know. We were built from darkness and had to rise above. We were given little help, resources, or community by those in charge of our care, but we created it ourselves once we could unite through the internet and tell our stories, where we could tell the truth about plant medicine and surviving HG.